Hello everybody and uh, I'll do that again. <laughs> Every, <laughs> Hello everyone. Everyone. <laughs> Welcome to Code Splitters Podcast. I'm Paul. I'm Miguel. And I'm Kevin. Hello, everybody, and uh, welcome to this new episode of the Code Splitters Podcast. Um, so, uh, Paul and Kevin, uh, which is also with me today, uh, what have you been up to uh, last time? Do you want to start, uh, Paul? Yeah, sure. Yeah, well, um, first of all, it's been summer vacation here in Denmark. So I've been enjoying some time off. And we've had, I think the whole world has had that, but it's been extremely hot. Um, so we spent a lot of the time in a tent out in the garden. My kids think that it's very fun. Um, not my wife, though. So it's only been me in the tent with the kids. She tried one evening and she was like, I think after 20 minutes, she wrote to me like, i can hear animals outside or insects or whatever. I, I want to go inside. Like, okay, okay I'll, I'll stay out there. <laughs> so it's been a lot of that and then a lot of garden work. Um, I know we've talked about doing a whole episode on that. I'm not going not gonna to bring it up now, but uh, it's, been, it's been tough. Um, and I think that's, that's pretty much been my entire summer. Like that and some Legoland and, and what have you. And then uh, spend a lot of money on a, I wouldn't say new hobby, but in addition to my gaming hobby. So I bought like a, an entire wheel pedal seat setup. So I'm racing, um, and it's quite fun. And you get quite like deep into it, and 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 it's it's just a load of fun. Like it's a whole other way of you know playing driving games. So I'm really enjoying that. Spending a lot of money on that, and I'll probably spend more money on it um, as it goes with those things. It's like a deep black hole. Um, But uh, I'll bring it around the office sometimes, and so we can all race whoever wants to join and race. So uh, yeah. So what what racing games? Uh, what's your favorite? Well, I've I've been and I've done that for years actually. I've been playing Gran Turismo. It's not exactly a driving simulator. It's it's somewhere somewhere between arcade and simulator. Uh, so so like I'm 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 not trying to step on the toes of anyone who's into real driving sims. Um, I have tried. Uh, because it's available on PlayStation as well, uh, something called uh, Assetto Corsa Competizione. I think that's the correct name, uh, ACC, um, which is more sim-like, so you know, as close to real tire pressure or stuff and all that. Um, I only really dabbled in that because uh, I think going between games like that is a little hard because one has, you know, one set of tire physics, the other, the other. So mostly Gran Turismo. Yeah. Nice. What about you, Kevin? What have you been up Sweet. to? <clears throat> um, yeah, as Paul mentioned, it was uh, pretty warm here in Denmark uh, during our summer holiday. Uh, with, of course, the occasional rain here and there because it is still Denmark. Um, and uh, yeah, we've just been uh, taking it easy and taking some little trips here and there with, uh, with the kids. And then uh, we had our... Uh, youngest son's baptism uh last weekend um so you also had to you know prepare for that clean up the house and the garden and everything uh, and get everything ready for that um but that was that was good it was cozy we set up some stuff uh set up some tents uh in the garden where people could sit in the shadow luckily otherwise it would have been uh 
to die outside. Um, so that was really good. Yeah. What about you, Mikkel? Yeah, well, um, it's been hot here as well. Uh, so we have also been, like, in the summer, we have uh, my, my two girls. They have been uh, using our pool a lot. We have a small pool set up. Um, so that was really nice uh, to have that, uh, to cool them off. Uh, and then we have been, like, mostly been at home and uh, having... Uh, family visits and, and so on and uh, just tr- training our dog and teaching him not to uh, like be a bad dog you know <laughs> so it takes a lot of energy uh, like it's like when you get a, a baby I guess uh, sort of so it's yeah. Uh, yeah that's a lot of it's time goes into that puppies are both but, easier uh, but and he's good in some it's ways a little more difficult than kids it's like yeah. having a baby that also runs around and eats your furniture at the same time <laughs> Yeah, Yeah, they don't do that at first. Luckily, I I just had that picture in my head. (laughs) True, true, true facts. Babies don't. I just had that picture in my head when you said like it's like having a small baby, and I was like, you know, yelling at the baby like, "Don't pee in a corner." But oh, yeah, diapers. So yeah, (laughs) yeah, they grow up a lot. Everything goes so much faster. Like they grow up. You know, a lot faster than humans, obviously. So, um, a couple of months, they're already like uh, changed yes. completely. <laughs> so, exactly. I think, he, like size-wise, he's also like uh, three times the size now that than he was that we got him. So he's, uh, yeah, he's getting big. So it's, uh, yeah, but it's it's good. We we are we're saying to each other yeah. like it's it's just a phase. Just like we live together, we just hang in there and <laughs> it'll get better. So yeah, just like with kids, and then suddenly they moved out. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, maybe we should talk about some uh, web stuff. What? No, that's perfectly fine. Actually, I do have a, a thing uh, I wanted to to talk to you guys about, um, and I know that you know about it because we talked about it previously. But uh, there is this uh, tool called uh, Fig, and it's like uh, if you go to fig.io, um, then you can see it. But it's a um, it's a real cool uh, tool. So if you spend time in the terminal, uh, then it's really nice because you get. Uh, it, it also suggests uh, things you can type and also also completes um, in, in the terminal. So it's it's actually really really nice uh, tool. Um, and I, I must confess, I don't actually spend that much time in the terminal. Uh, I'm more like a, a GUI kind of guy. I like to th- see things uh, graphical. Uh, but I must say that it's, this is really uh, nice. Uh, even though I mostly use it for like uh, npm scripts uh, like npm install and npm start and whatever all these npm commands um, it's really nice to to just see what you have available and then you can just use arrows up and down to see like to select what you need so it, it just um, it removes a little bit of friction uh, and it makes it a little bit better so i think it's a nice tool um, yeah so i do recommend yes i've tried it as well after you mentioned it uh, and i love yeah. it um, yeah. I don't spend, I spend 
a bit more time maybe in the terminal than you I do a lot mm. of the like basic git stuff in the terminal yeah. as well because I just find it to be a bit faster especially if you make some changes and you want to commit everything uh then it's just you know git add dot and then it's done uh things like that so i do do that in the terminal and it's really nice with the yeah with the autocomplete and it also i think it remembers your or i'm not sure exactly how it works but it seems to be something like the it remembers the last maybe five or something branches that you recently i don't know pushed to yeah. or checked out i'm not sure how it works in the uh, in the back end but um if you switch between branches regularly, then it actually remembers those you used last. Mm. So it's really nice to, you don't have to remember. Because uh, the build-in yeah. autocomplete is not always the best, especially if, if you have a lot of branches and you do like, I don't know, uh, get checkout feature or something slash, and then there's like 50 branches, then you're like, okay, what what's actually there? But um, So it helps you a lot yeah. with that. And then, yeah, the NPM stuff as well is really nice. Uh, also actually when when you navigate around folders in the terminal it's really nice to see like so like you cd into a folder and then you can just cd again and then it, it suggests all the folders that are there and you don't have to do like a ls or something to see uh, what folders are here uh, so you, it's really nice it uh, it speeds up the terminal uh, writing so yeah. I, I like it yeah i just i just because I had uh, I hadn't looked at it like like uh, you had as well, Kevin. I, I remember uh, Mikkel mentioned it. I just had a look at it now uh, while you were you were both talking here. Um, and yeah, it really does look promising. Like there's a lot. I, I use what's called Seashell on on macOS here, and and I have a lot of plugins installed as well that does some of the things here. But it looks like the setup here is easier. Uh, I might have a go at it. I'm one of those that like you know I got to do my terminal setup and then I do it once and then I'm like you know it works now. Uh, don't nerd around with it, but um, I just noticed as well that Big is for macOS only right now. It's like it has a Linux and Windows waitlist, so it's not out there yet. I think it was worth mentioning. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, that is worth mentioning. Yeah, good point. And then and then it was like they had pricing, and I was like, Ooh, why? Um, but apparently they have like a Teams thing where you can like share uh, SSH keys, etc., like that in a private manner. I think that's pretty cool. Um, um, and also OpenAI um, um, built in if you do the payment thing, uh, apparently. Uh, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. But yeah, I'll I'll have a look at it. It's always nice for those uh, those tools. But there's a lot of them around. Yeah, I think the the big plus on I haven't tried that many. Again, I just have the uh, I think what is it called? A, a iTerm app with them. Yeah, some iTerm. Uh, yeah, just a couple of stuff on top, but pretty vanilla as you would say uh, and fig is just drag and drop you just install it and it does everything you don't have to configure everything uh, it just works so that is nice yeah i've i've had to set up dot files or not had to set up I, I did it when i did the you know when i configured my seashell setup um and that's daunting um, of course, like, you know, you can read up on everything and you can just take some default stuff, but it's a little hard when you don't know what everything does. And then there's the whole, like, oh yeah, you just got to add this one. So it knows the path to whatever this bit here in the script. It's like, oh, okay then. So, uh, so yeah, if this is much more plug and play, uh, it might be a little more fun to me to build around. I'll, I'll definitely have a look. It's a good suggestion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'll make sure to put a link in the show notes. Yeah. 
All right. Um, well, that's one uh, tool that I like. Actually, I uh, I have another one. Uh, a tool tip, you can call it. Um, so I've been hearing a lot of uh, noise lately, uh, or like maybe a while ago, about uh, that there's this uh, extension for VS Code uh, called To Do Tree. Um, so it's like a extension where you can see like all all the to dos you have in your code. It will actually uh, generate a, a tree, uh, so you can navigate around files and folders and get an overview of all your to dos. Really cool. Um, but I I think it's a bit funny because uh, that feature is is built into WebStorm that I'm I'm using. So I but I also think that that. Uh, Feature is is really cool, um, but it's built in, so I, uh, I but I use it also. Um, so, so if you're using VS Code, uh, to do tree is is really nice. Yeah, it's really yeah. I was nice. just gonna um, just gonna ask here: is it uh, is it like on on like the feature parity with the one in WebStorm? Because I I've used the one in WebStorm just like slightly personal to do. So I actually didn't know about the tree part. Does that WebStorm has that have, have that too? Like with the tree. Yeah, it's 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 presented in a in a tree view. So I oh, okay. well, I, I must confess I haven't con, con like uh, compared them like next side by side. Mm. So maybe there are differences, uh, but uh, I'm pretty sure that it's pretty much the same. So okay, that's cool. Yeah, because I I used VS Code a lot in the past before I went to WebStorm, and I think one of the things I really liked was this to do one. Like at least you know writing notes in in your code files, just like oh yeah, remember this for the next time or whatever. Mm. Um, um, and I think back then there wasn't a good um, uh, plugin for it um, or extension or whatever you want to call it. But um, there was one, but it wasn't very fast at the time, at least. Um, so that was a concern for me. But if this is up there, yeah, I'd, I'd recommend it. It's a nice little addition to your workflow. If it works for you, of course. I know some people have all that uh, outside of their code. Um, but sometimes it's nice that you have the reference directly in there. Yeah. Nice. Sweet. Yeah, uh, yeah. I use WebStorm now as well these days, so uh, yeah, I haven't used VS Code. In, or I use it every now and then for like uh, some more simple. I use it more like a text editor or like a still code file editor, but not like a full blown project file editor. If that, if that makes sense. Um, I think the cool thing about WebStorm as well is that you can uh, you can have it check all your to do's before you think it's commit right or something like that yes you can have it be like hey you have some to do's left are you sure you want to commit and, and things like that and um, so i think that's pretty cool about webstorm is because a lot of it is built in it all kind of works together as well which i sometimes miss in vs code it's like a bunch of extensions but they don't really work together they all solve like separate things uh and this yeah. is not a WebStorm versus VS Code topic, but um, I think that's nice. Just to if 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 you want to make sure you get rid of your to dos, then it can help you with that as well. Yeah, but 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 I think it's a it's it, it's a really good point about, about the the, the commit uh, because I actually lately I have been uh, switching from uh, using uh, source tree which I actually really like but it was it was just uh, spinning up my fans uh, all the time I, and I couldn't figure out why so I tried some different other options um, and not the terminal <laughs> because I'm I don't know maybe too lazy I don't know I, I like to see it in a graphical uh, kind of way but um so I, I tried to use the built-in uh, 
get uh, tools in uh, WebStorm. And it's quite nice, actually. Um, it has uh, a lot of like a thing things it can do before commit. So you can like uh, reformat code and rearrange code and like optimize imports and do code analysis uh, like if you choose a different profile or something and do cleanup and check copyrights and all the all crazy kind of stuff so it's really really uh, powerful if you want to like uh, streamline your uh, commit uh, things so uh, yeah yeah i also use uh, i use the terminal for like simple stuff like pushing pulling committing and stuff like that but if i need to start merging or comparing or like looking over what changes i did in which files i use uh, webstorm as well it's, it is really nice also their merging tools are really really good I oh think. yes yeah plus one yeah it's actually been ages since i've used the merge in there and that's not to sound just like a pro that never has merge conflict at all but i think we've eliminated most of them with the setup we have now i remember doing them and it was hell on earth there's so many things i'd rather do than deal with merge conflicts i must admit <laughs> um but yeah i did i didn't know about the um the whole like you could include it in your um in your like you know pre-commit hook i guess is what you would call it with the to-do stuff like that that's pretty cool uh not that when i do to-dos it's usually for something in the future but but i guess you can just say that's okay uh, at that point i might look into it because like you make love had trouble uh, troubles with source tree uh, not that it was resource heavy as it sounds like yours were, but I've random crashes. Like it's like if I focus the window and then I'm like I swipe back to the browser because I needed to remember something, a tag or whatever, and I go back, then it just crashes. <laughs> I have to open it up again. Um uh, but I've also just been lazy and maybe slightly afraid of just straight out using the terminal. I used to do that, but maybe I should just do it again. Nice. Well, now we're talking about tools. Uh, I actually do have one more thing <laughs> I wanted to talk to you about. Uh, maybe you know this already, but I think it's uh, quite cool if you haven't uh, seen it. Uh, so in, in DevTools, in, in Chrome or Chromium, uh, I, I use Edge, so it's, it's also an Edge. Um, but in DevTools, uh, in the Elements panel, you can activate this uh, accessibility tree view uh, which is actually kind of nice. Um, so if you care about accessibility and you want, you want to see like uh, the accessibility tree or like the the accessibility DOM, if you can call it that, um, then, then you can enable this and it will actually show, <clears throat> instead of showing all the divs and the like HTML nodes, it will transform into um, what the, I guess, the accessibility roles are or maybe our area roles. Uh, so you will see uh, if 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 your HTML actually uh, is interpreted in the way you want it to. Uh, so I, I have used it a few times, and I think it's really nice. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna add to to that there because you're right. That's actually a very nice view. Um, and I think, and I, I you know I might be wrong here, but I think I remember that you know what it actually shows preview like is is also what a screen reader would see. Like mm, it's yeah. sort of that view you get, like what is it actually going to present the user with? Um, I think it's a very good tool for like if you're, especially if you're dealing with custom elements, but also if you're building your own, not that you ever should or whatever, but sometimes that's what we do, right? But build a, a custom multi-select or whatever like that. Um, because getting accessibility in those uh, rights can be very hard. And there's the whole thing of, you know, what's the label actually, you know, like when you change items and stuff like that. 
And sometimes it's a little hard to interpret, like if you're using, you know, ARIA or labeled by and, and, and stuff like that. Um, and this view makes it a little easier to see that, oh, okay, so this is actually what the screen reader is going to announce. Um, you know, like this is the, you can test it out pretty easy with a button. So if you have a button that has some, some like a string inside of it, normally it would just, you know, present that. But if you put a, um, um, a label on the button, um, it'll present that instead, I think. I think. I can't remember which way it does it, but yeah. So you can sort of test out also if you're ruining it for yourself, you're doing too much. Um, yeah, I haven't used it too deeply, um, but in my accessibility course, there's some stuff around it as well, uh, around tooling. So I guess I'll get to it. Uh, yeah, I'm just trying to find how to enable it actually. So if you if you go to the <laughs> elements, uh, like the, you go to Dev Tools and then uh, in the Elements tab, and then in the side where you have the styles uh, and the computer and layout, you should go to the one called Accessibility, and then there's like a Enable Full Page Accessibility Tree. You need to check the checkbox. Um, so uh, and then. A little accessibility man will show up <laughs> at the, like uh, in the corner of the, on top of the notes uh, in the elements tab. So you can click that one and uh, it will transform. Uh, it will also show you like stuff that is ignored, which is probably pretty important to know. Um, so yeah, I think it's pretty nice. Love tools that make our <laughs> lives easier. Right. I think um, I want to segue into something that is not directly browser-related as well. Um, it's been a while, I guess, since it was announced on Twitter, um, but I think it's it, it, it had its, um, I wouldn't say peak, but it, it, it had interest uh, on Twitter. It's something called Bun. Bun is Bun.js? Yeah, I think it's Bun.js. Um, and it's basically, um, it's a new JavaScript runtime so, so you can compare it to the likes of, of you know, the uh, JS engine, the V8 um, um, under Node as well. Um, it's it's quite interesting because it's sort of like a, um, it sort of bundles a lot of things together that we are used to having to deal with, you know, separately. So, um, I think it's from their website. It says bundle, transpile, install, and run JavaScript and TypeScript projects all in one. So, it's a new JavaScript runtime. The native bundler, transpiler, task runner, and the built-in npm client, and that all sounds, you know, like sounds like too good to be true, right? Um, but I think it's it's pretty cool. Like if they if they want to run like the world's JavaScript outside the browsers, um, just like Node.js does, um, but but being more performant. Um, so it's built pretty low level, uh, and of course on their website they have some examples of of how it runs compared to node and and deno and 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 stuff like that um it's pretty i think it, uh, it's pretty interesting like and i know there's um there's a lot of people who you know like we use like node is used with npm and with our clis and our tooling especially in the front end world um um but besides that it's not like we do a lot with them right but but it has like Nearly, I think it, it, it implements like most of the Node API as well. So you can take like native Node modules and they'll work directly in there as well. Um, and it includes Node.js's module resolution as well, the, the algorithm. So you can use like NPM packages directly in there. Um, and I think it internally uses ESM, but it supports common JS as well, uh, from what I can see. 
Um, and and I, I want to touch on a thing that I think uh, I wouldn't say blew up, but but some people on Twitter had their their doubts about this, right? Because uh, everything is transpiled, right? Like every file is transpiled uh, out of the box. So TypeScript in JSX works out of the box. And then people will like JSX. So it's like a lot of people are jumping on the, like, you know, why is JSX the default here? And I guess that's just, you know, like this, that's just what the uh, the author wanted to run with. Um, but I know there's some, there's some, I wouldn't say hostility, but maybe some doubts about JSX and the way it runs uh, or the way it's presented. Um, so, so that's like the only backlash of sorts that I've seen for now. I haven't seen much about it in the last few weeks. Uh, not since it was sort of came out there, um, you know. I just think it's you know it's 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 pretty interesting when people you know they they had a they had a you know a problem with with a tool or, or a library that they were using and the update cycle was a little too slow. So they're like, you know, I'm gonna build my own thing. <laughs> I, I envy those who both have the time for that, but also like the brain power and the and the creativity because damn, it's it's pretty it's pretty amazing. Um, you can you can read into it. There's some blog posts uh, from the author as well, or or where they interview the author about it, uh, which I think are pretty good. Uh, maybe we can link to a couple of those as well. But but yeah, um, it's it's still of course very early days, so there will be bugs, of course. So so I I, I wouldn't say that it is um, you know you know production ready in any way like that. But it's definitely it shows some you know some new ideas out there. Especially because when we're talking about Node and stuff like that, we're all, always like, you know, NPM modules and all that sort of stuff. Um, having it built in without having to think about it is quite cool. But but then there also comes the, I don't know about you guys, but I have the whole like, if everything is built in and everything is too easy, then how easy is it actually to configure if you need to configure anything? So there's that as well, the other side of the coin. But that's just, I, I guess I'm just pessimistic at that point. But uh, nonetheless, it's, Pretty cool to see uh, a new kid on the block. Mm, yeah, I heard about it uh, a little bit as well, but I haven't. Uh, I haven't heard a lot, so it's uh, quite interesting. Um, I would be interested to know if there's anything else uh, besides the speed that uh, that would be better about it compared to Node and Deno. But yeah, um, yeah, I don't know. I think one of the things that are that's mentioned, uh, I didn't dig too deep, but, but it's it's a bit like what we're doing with um, you know dead code elimination and stuff like that. So I think I think one of the the things is that it is um, at compile time try to see like oh, okay, so this program uses this and that, and and then everything that's not used, we'll leave that out. Um, um, I think I think there's some emphasis on on making that uh, powerful in there as well. Um, from what I can read again, don't don't quote me on it, but but uh, at least from the resources I read up on before before this here, um, um, and that is important, I guess. You know, like you, you know, everybody wants smaller bundle sizes, so uh, so there's that. Hmm. Yeah, pretty cool. Looks like it's in beta uh, now, so yeah, not ready yet, but worth uh, following, I guess. So yeah, exciting. Right, right. I have another small thing that I wanted to talk about. Um, again, it's sort of Safari related. So, so <laughs> we're back at bringing up Safari in every episode from now on and so forth. Um, no, it's actually, it's, it's quite cool. Actually, I don't know if any of you have uh, ever stumbled upon the HTML element called dialogue. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. 
Uh, I think finally it works uh, as it should in Safari. Uh, I can't remember which version. I think it's one of the latest ones. Uh, if not the latest, then the one just before that. Uh, but it now finally works in Safari. And I think, again, don't quote me on that, that, that some accessibility things were fixed with it. Um, but, but, but again, I'm not entirely sure. Um, but what it looks like is that, that for dialogues and popovers and stuff like that, it's always been, and I know both of you have dealt with that as well, like, you know, how do you do dialogues? And especially one framework has one way of doing it, the other, the other, and stuff like that. And then there's the whole like C index thing of making sure that it's always on top. Do you want to stop scrolling? You know, all the shenanigans that we love doing. And then there's the whole accessibility part as well. Right. So what, you know, what you get with the built-in one here is that um, there's two ways of using it. You have the dialogue element, of course, which is the HTML element. So whatever you put in there is what is going to be shown as content of the dialogue element. Um, it has two functions, show and show modal. So show modal um, is the one you would expect when we're talking about dialogue, right? That is the full screen modal that has a backdrop as well. Um, and it's already like out of the box. It, it closes using the escape button like you would be used to with dialogues of this sort, right? You know, a modal dialogue. Um, and it automatically uses the inert um, um, attribute on elements in browsers that support it, by the way, um, meaning that it blocks off everything outside the dialogue when it's open. So, you know, accessibility-wise, like it's a focus trap, actually. Inert is the new like sort of native focus trap, uh, not supported by all browsers yet, which means that the older browsers that don't support uh, inert, it'll still work in the same way, but it'll work much like if we've, uh, I don't know if any of you have um, tried dealing with um, what's it called uh, focus trap, um, like having to implement it or use a, a library already, like a focus trap library when you open dialogues and stuff like that. So I think the browsers are doing basically the same with JS uh, in the case that inert is not available. Um, and then out of the box, it remembers the previously uh, focused element as well. So when you close the element, you're back. That's, you know, like the button you use to open it as well, which is pretty cool because that's something you had to do manually as well if you implement your own dialogue solution. Um, so it's pretty cool you have all that out of the box and you can style it and everything like that. Um, so it's pretty much a dream come true in that way. Um, and it, it's it rendered in a layer above as well, so it's always on top as it should be, right? Um, and you can style the backdrop too. Um, the only thing I saw here, and that's from Una Kravitz, um, is that the caveat here is that the backdrop pseudo selector, so so like you have dialogue and then you have you know uh, a pseudo selector called backdrop. Um, it doesn't have access to root, you know, like the pseudo selector root. So if you're using CSS variables, but that's because the backdrop actually lives outside the HTML because it's sort of in a top layer, right? Because it needs to live above everything else. So it is a bit special compared to other HTML elements. Uh, so it's in a different scope, if you may. Um, so that's the only caveat I found. Um, yeah, the other um, the other one is the show um, function here, and that is sort of opens it as a non-modal that is absolutely positioned. So you can position that if you want to position it like a pub over near a button or whatever like that. And that one doesn't have a background. Um, and that's and that I think that's pretty much it. Um, yeah, one thing it doesn't do is that you're probably used to the fact that when you click outside a dialogue, like on the backdrop, that it'll actually close. This that is not part of this, um, so you still have to implement it. But it's quite easy. It's it's you know using focus um, focus targeting, you can easily make sure that you're you know that when you click outside of it, it closes. Um, but I think that's still a 
pretty big win that you get all of the other things like the the built-in um the built-in uh, uh, focus trap and 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 closing mechanisms and stuff like that so having to implement the click outside should be a quite small piece but uh, i think it's pretty cool and i'm i'm going to look into to using it uh, actually because it's it's yet again more javascript that we don't need to write because it's much more built-in already Sweet. <clears throat> yeah. It's pretty cool. I didn't know about the, uh, I, I haven't used it yet because of browser supports. I haven't looked into it that much yet, but I didn't know it also had this more tooltip like application. Uh, I've only seen like the full screen centered uh, dialogue modal, <laughs> I guess you call it. Um, so that's, that's really cool. I didn't know that. Do you know about uh, if you have like, uh, like the things you probably shouldn't do, but uh, sometimes <laughs> you need a modal on top of them of a modal like nested ones. Like, do you know if that's um, handled or possible or tricky or you know? As far as I read, uh, you can open more modals and they'll just be layered. So, like mm. the the newest one you opened will always be on top. As oh. far as I remember, I don't know if there's any um, like like because you're in a different scope, right? I don't know if it's a new scope reach dialog. Um, or if it's in the same layer and you can use something like CNDEX. But but I would guess not. I would guess it, it just automatically makes sure that the last one opened is always on top. Mm. Um, but again, cool. don't quote me on that. I didn't actually check that, but it should be easy enough to find. Don't do you that. You should probably try, try to <laughs> avoid it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's but, actually... You know. uh, I have a tiny added story to that action because we're dealing with, like, we have a lot of admin panels and stuff like that with, uh, with the client project I'm on. And... Uh, and we have this one where, where, where you're already in like a sub page, and then you gotta open uh, like a um, full screen dialog or whatever. It would make sense to go to a new page, but but there's there's some context in there. So that's a full screen dialog, right? So it doesn't feel like a dialog, but it is a dialog still. And then within that, you can do some things in their configurations, and two of those configurations have their own dialog as well. So that's opening a dialog and a dialog. But I don't think it's that bad in that sense because the other one is full screen, so. It would and we have the focus trap and all that in there, so so it should work correctly. But it's still it it felt a little iffy when I when I broke down the uh, the task as well. It's like ah oh, God, I wish there was something some better way of doing this. But and there might be in the future. But but for now, it's it's what we have. Just yeah. call the the full screen one. Just call it an overlay, and you say I don't have a model in a model. It's an overlay with a model. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> I just tricked them. That's, that's, that's a very good way of doing it, Kevin. Uh, <laughs> I have an overlay with a modal, and on top I have a pub over. Yeah, um, and some tooltips. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, sweet. Just layering everything. Yeah. But it, it really feels the last, I don't know, half year, especially, I find working on client projects and stuff now that IE isn't supported anymore. And yeah, sorry to mention it again, but Safari is looking like it wants to catch up a lot quicker. Uh, there's a, like, the last half year, it's been pretty insane with stuff we can actually start using today yeah. and soon, <laughs> like actually soon, not like, oh, this might be supported in two years by everything, but like actually very soon. Uh, like the dialogue, I just checked the can I use as well. I guess if you need to support the two latest, like major versions of Safari, you can't use it yet. But if you, it's since... 15.4 and we're on 0.6 now so you know you could arguably justify already starting to use it maybe yeah. slowly so um yeah super cool 
yeah, yeah, I have it on my list of like, I really want to build a prototype and test it out, you know, like, especially with web components, I think they go hand in hand pretty well here. Um, it'd be fun to see what you can actually actually do with it um, yeah. um, for dialogues, yeah. because yeah. that's, I wouldn't say always a pain point depending on like, but, but if you're sort of like between a framework and web components, it's sometimes a little iffy um, and it would be nice yeah. to, to, especially the focus prep management, by the way, uh, that would be nice to have that, yeah. you know, just being handled. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. super nice. Like, as you say, whenever we start like a new project and we need a modal, it's like, okay, then I need to click outside, I need focus trap, and I need body scroll lock. And then usually for yeah. like focus crap and body scroll, I just import the package because especially I think body scroll lock is super difficult to do on your own. And like, I think it's mobile iOS, there's some really weird stuff going on. So you pretty much want the package for that uh, if you want to have it working really well and focus drive i guess the same is kind of tricky to write from scratch takes some time definitely to do so i usually just pull those in uh, so it'll be really nice to just have it working out of the box Uh, i don't know if they also have their if they write their own focus trap i guess they have their own uh, yeah i'm assuming they don't rely on packages for that kind of stuff in like native browser elements but uh yeah very nice. Less npm packages to pull in makes me happy. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Less dependencies. <laughs> yeah. Sweet. Oh yeah. So uh, yeah, I also had a small thing I wanted to uh, to mention as something I learned not that long ago recently, which is the same thing. Um, now that we were talking a bit about HTML, there was a, a fun CSS thing. Uh, I stumbled upon um, we had this uh, client project that had some forms and uh, it had styling or, or we styled the text inputs to look a certain way when they're disabled, right? Um, so it had like, a, I guess, a light gray background instead of white or something simple like that. And our backender came to me and it was like, yeah, there's some Functionality wise, I can't really use disable. I have to use read only instead. And I said, okay, that's easy. Now I'll just use the read only pseudo selector and then apply uh, a light gray background. Uh, and then everything's fixed, right? <laughs> so I, I had like a selector. We have a class on every input element. Uh, and then I just applied the uh, read only pseudo selector, gave it a light gray background, uh, tested it or so I thought, and then was like, okay, it works. And then the day after he came back to me, I was like, okay, it works, but uh, our selects, like uh, uh, the select tag, our, uh, our select input fields are now all light gray as well. I was like, what? <laughs> then I started looking into it, and I was like, apparently the read-only uh, pseudo-selector uh, works on a lot more stuff than you would think. So if you... Uh, if you would just do like pseudo selector read only and give it a, give it a background color, it applies to its default on all HTML elements that are not read only uh, specifically set. So all your diffs, all your uh, anything like articles, uh, tags, everything that is not specifically set that is uh, I, I can't remember what the the opposite of read only is now <laughs> something with a, I can't remember, but if it's not set to that, 
it's it counts as read only. So your CSS applies to a lot more stuff than you would wow. think. Um, so that's, so that's what I learned. <laughs> it's, so it's almost a star selector. <laughs> almost, yeah. It's, you have to crazy. be a bit careful. So if you want to use it to style like input elements, you have to make sure you specifically tell which inputs it should uh, style when they're mm-hmm. read only. Um, you because have to remember then, your specific, specific, specific. Yes, because then apparently a select is actually read only because you can't, you know, you can't edit it, mm-hmm. you can't type in it. Oh. So it's actually yeah. read oh, only, yeah. which is yeah. weird because it's Makes a form, form element. So it's stuff I didn't think about. Um, so that's mm-hmm. quite fun. Basically. I thought read only was only when it was if you use it in CSS, like the pseudo selector. If it was specifically had the read only attribute, but that's that's not the case. So that, that was fun. Is <laughs> crazy. Good to know. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, that's. Mm. Uh, all right. So uh, let's talk about something very different. <laughs> Um, one one thing that I uh, that I discovered that I actually start liking uh, using um, is something when I write tests. I, I've been writing uh, quite a few tests uh, lately. Um, so usually uh, when I, I write this, com- I I don't do TDD. I like test driven development. Um, I just don't. Uh, so. What I tend to do uh, now, at least, is that I write my component, and I, because I use Storybook, I also write the stories and so on and so on. And when I'm I'm close to being done, then I then I say, okay, now I need to to write some tests uh, to make sure that it doesn't break uh, in the future. Uh, and then I then I, I find myself actually just uh, looking at uh, the component in Storybook and also looking at the code, like the component code, and seeing like, okay, th- th- this could break and this could be weird and I need to test this and that. Uh, so I actually go and into the, the test file and, uh, and write this uh, to-do uh, thing where I can write. Uh, so like the test normally would be like it, and then, like it's a function, right? Like it, and then a string, like should do this thing, right? Uh, but instead, you can write uh, the uh, it dot to do, and then that's also a function, and that uh, also takes a string, uh, but it doesn't take a second argument like a function that actually is running the test. But it's just a, it's just a to do that, uh, like. Uh, actually, we talked, we talked about to-dos uh, earlier as well, <laughs> but uh, this is just for tests, right? So uh, when you run your tests, it will also write out your to-dos, like that you have these that are not implemented yet. Um, and I find that really nice uh, because then I can get it out of my head. To and, and I could also just write a like a comment, right? A, a to-do in a comment. Uh, but with tests, I find this uh, really useful, actually. So um, I recommend doing that. So yeah, that was just a small thing. Nice. So now you can do to do test driven development. So you write <laughs> yes. You create a test file and then you write twelve to dos and then you start converting those into tests and then you yeah. make them work. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> so it is actually a kind of TDD. Yes, to do driven. Yeah. Uh wow. Yeah, on on the topic of testing, actually, and I think this this just out the other day on the on, in the Twitterverse, 
um, is a Cypress component testing. Um, so I, I guess you both might know what Cypress is, might not have used it, but Cypress is an end-to-end uh, testing framework, toolbox, whatever you want to call it. Um, that is pretty fast and pretty well known, and it's actually pretty good as well. I've I've done some some tests in it and uh, done some POCs on it, and it works really really well. Um, they've had I think they've had component testing for a while now, um, but this is Angular components um, or actually uh, you know actually works with it now, which is pretty cool. Um, both uh, if we think about the topics of our last episode, where I talked about you know Angular standalone components. Um, but also because um, it gives us another option of testing Angular components, and especially like the HTML part of it. Because, um, and and I know there's different ways of doing it, but for our project, we're using NX, and an NX yes is sort of at least you know like it's it's big and, and default in there as well, and it's easy enough to set up. Um, but one caveat I think, and actually a big minus for Jest is that the runtime of Jest is not a browser; it's JS DOM which emulates a browser. So you're not actually running your tests in a, in a real browser, if you may. Um, for, for our use cases so far, it's been, it's been good enough. But we have web components in our, in our, um, in our project as well. And Jest doesn't like those. Um, I think it supports web components now, but not specifically Shadow DOM uh, in JS DOM, which our web components uses. So, so our web components just aren't rendered. Um, for the most part, it's okay because it's it's leaf components, it's icons and what have you. Um, but sometimes when we're dealing with our buttons, I would have loved if it just worked. But with Cypress, they all work because Cypress runs a browser. So um, so that's pretty cool. I'm I'm actually really excited about this because what it means is that you know Cypress as a, being a browser, it needs to spin up that instance. Of course, that takes a little while. But after it's done that, you know, it's pretty fast. And the cool thing is because it's browser. Um, you get the whole debugging experience of, you know, you can go into the console and the element tree, the accessibility tree as well, maybe. Um, because you can actually pause at a given time and you're like, if you're running, like, say, 10 test cases, then you can, you can pause at number four and say, oh, okay, you know, like, because maybe it failed on, 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 you know, getting this button or whatever uh, when you want to query for it in the DOM. Then you can actually go directly in and see at this point in time, is the button actually there? Because, you know, maybe it's a loading screen or whatever. Um, so I think the debugging experience, uh, when writing the tests is amazing in there. So I'm actually really looking forward to it. Um, and word has it that the NX team is working together with the Cypress team on, on having it work, uh, with NX out of the box, uh, ASAP. So I'm pretty psyched about that. Um, and this is not about just because it's new and exciting that I want to switch out our entire testing setup, but it has been a pain point for a while that, you know, I've had a hard time bringing you know the web component parts into our tests so so for me it's actually also like an enhancement of what we have now and then i'm also just excited because i think cypress is again because the experience of working with it is pretty damn cool so uh so so that's new and, and exciting uh, i don't know if any have any of you used Cypress? Nope. no i i think i only played around with it like in a hello world kind of state mm -hmm. so yeah but, uh, yeah, that's pretty pretty cool. That's cool. What is it? As you might know, you two, I don't write a lot of, I don't do a lot of testing uh, usually. <laughs> uh, yeah, budgetable. <laughs> <laughs> it's not my own choice. Uh, 
Um, so I haven't had that much experience with testing, but it's using Jet like a headless browser out of the box then. And Cypress is using one you can actually see visually because you said you can like go into the dev tools and things like that. Yeah, so so you have the option of it spinning up uh, this browser window. I think if you're using um, what's it called uh, Karma Jasmine, uh, Jasmine, um, I think they have like a, you know it opens a browser window as well, and you can see the results. Um, but but yeah, it, but yeah, Cypress has like an entire interface there. I think you can run it headless as well. So like when you're running it on C, CI, it, it'll run headless, of course, and just because you don't need a UI there anyways. Um, but yeah, so I think you have both options, and it's. A, other than see that's where i should have probably uh, read up on it um but initially cypress uh, um you know it um sorry it um it was chromium based right because that was easy because because you had the chromium um um what's called the headless there as well but i think i think it's uh not safari but um firefox is in there as well uh i should probably probably read up on that we'll put it in the show notes but yeah it it, it has gotten a lot better uh, on that end nice, nice. Uh, actually have you heard about the uh, playwright one yeah, yeah. Um, I tried that uh, like a long time ago uh, a, long, a, a little while ago um, I think that's also pretty nice because that's because I, I've playing about I have been playing around with the puppeteer as well uh, just for various things uh, which is only Chrome, um, and but 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 uh, Playwright is also Firefox and also uh, yeah I I don't want to I think it's uh, Safari as well and and so on, but um, it, it supports more than than just Chrome at least. Um, yeah. So yeah. But yeah, I, I looked so, into Playwright seems... as well. It's it's okay. um it's pretty cool. Um, and just to clarify, I looked it up on Cypress just because I don't want to <laughs> come with bogus information here. But Cypress supports Chrome, Itch, and Firefox. Um, it's on their page as well. Uh, nothing okay. for uh, yeah, and then Electron as well because you know you know Chromium comes with Electron as well. So, but but yeah, um, but no Safari. I don't think they have like a headless thingy. I think that's the uh, what's required for Cypress to actually be able to run it right. Hmm. Uh, yeah, they have stuff on a roadmap, but I don't know. You know, I don't. I don't know what the uh, you know when. No. Yeah, I I also looked up uh, Playwright, and it's uh, Chrome, Edge, uh, uh, Safari, uh, Opera, and Firefox. Uh, oh, so, so they have Safari as well. That's pretty cool. cool. Yeah, yeah. But they're, they're probably they're probably pros and cons. Like when when you compare uh, Playwright and uh, Cypress, I haven't looked into that. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It probably is. I think yeah. I think from my understanding, Playwright is a little more bare bones. I think that's the you know Cypress is the whole suite. Uh, mm, yeah, yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. Nice. It's nice to see some Opera support as well because I'm actually an Opera user. What? <laughs> they exist. What? Yes, they do. But they they are on uh, the Chromium. It's Chromium wagon, as well. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. Not to get into that completely, but I. I like I like it and I like the UI and it's quick, and I like Edge as well, which I've used before this, which also runs Chromium. Uh, I guess initially I moved from Chrome because of the performance, because uh, that could get really bad with a lot of tabs. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, now 
I didn't like the UI of Edge that much always myself, but um, yeah. So then I tried Opera, and that I really like that actually. So that's come pretty far, I think, as well. Mm. Cool. Anyway, browser. I'm on Edge as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah. I'm. Uh, I, I I was actually uh, at one point. Uh, I was almost switching back to Chrome because of the like because Chrome got the uh, grouping of tabs, uh, which I really liked. Because like then you can for each client you can have a bunch of tabs. I have a lot of tabs, so, uh, <laughs> but uh, now uh, it has it as well, and I really like it. So now I can have all my tabs open. Sweet. I'm yeah. the opposite That's- of you because I yeah, I know you love that and. Uh, it's kind of a requirement for you for the browser to have it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. I do the exact opposite. I try to have as least or less as yeah. least tabs open as possible. Uh, yeah. So I usually okay. only have four or five open, and then and then that's, that's probably also a better way to do it. But yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I don't work like that. I guess. Yeah, if I have more than <laughs> seven, eight tabs open, I get like my. OCD that's in. why you need the grouping <laughs> so you can hide them <laughs> no because yeah, no, you're just hiding them no that's the thing yes then i know i'm just hiding them. that's even worse <laughs> <laughs> yeah fair enough <laughs> i i'm i'm on kevin with this like i, I try to have uh, the least amount of tabs open as well like i i'm i'm a nerd when it comes to managing my bookmark show so they're all in in folders like categorized and stuff like that so everything that's web related is in there everything that is news related and you know all that sort of stuff is in the correct folders I've, of course when when i do save a bookmark uh it's like it runs it runs into a folder then i like once a week i, I go through that and put them in the correct folders like that so i, I know i'm i'm a special case yeah, i'd rather do that than have a lot of tabs open you also have like uh, ocd when it comes to structuring things i guess Sort of. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I might have yeah. it worse than you, Paul, because if I make a bookmark, I it has to go in the right place immediately. I can't put it somewhere temporarily. So it might be even worse. <laughs> oh, that's just because I've I've learned that over time because I did that at first as well. Like it had to be, and then it just, just took so much time because then I also rename them. So because sometimes, you know, the browser URL is a little weird when you save the bookmark. Um so I'm I'm yeah, I'm very finicky with that as well. But Gotten better with it, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm quite messy with my bookmark bookmarks actually. I, I save a lot of bookmarks, but I just have one giant folder because I I, I don't go uh, and and look them up. Yeah, and I can see your face, Kevin. What? <laughs> but uh, but actually, I, I only save a, a bookmark. Like four level folder structure? What? No, no, no. <laughs> Hear me out. I, I I only save the bookmarks so that the browser will uh, help me also complete the thing that I'm writing. Mm. So I only need to remember some of it. Uh, that's basically what I use most of, like bookmarks for. But uh, of course, I do have bookmarks that are in the in the bar, you know, like easy to access. So. Yeah, I have like, uh, for example, my work one is like split per per client per project, mm. and yeah. then I have. I also save a lot of. I save. I always save like the individual. Like if we use Jira for that client, I save that Jira board under that client and stuff. Yeah. So when I work on a client for like. A long period of time or a long it could be like a week or months or something then i have everything then i can open like jira and figma the correct figma file uh, for the design and things like that all at the same time uh, yeah. 
Anyway, yes, so it is a bit. <laughs> I just want to say I, I do that as well. I also have client folders for my uh, bookmarks and stuff. Yeah. So it, it's not like total chaotic. You just open them all up at the same time in group chat. <laughs> I, I just have them open, you know. Yes. <laughs> so Why do I need to bookmark if they're all open? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but what if it crashes, Miguel? That's, that's the, like, that's. That's the fear I have. Like, if but, I haven't bookmarked anything like that, it's like... Yeah, but then uh, it, it, it comes up with this nice, uh, do you want to restore? Yes, I do. Yeah, but it doesn't <laughs> always work. And then... No, no. But that's a risk I'm willing to take. Fair enough. God, that's because... chaos theory right there. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And then if I then forgot, then it probably wasn't that important anyway. So That's a good point, though. Um, anyways... <laughs> That was a whole topic suddenly. Yes. <laughs> How do you organize your bookmarks? Let us know. <laughs> yeah, send them in. <laughs> I think we got through a lot of uh, nice topics today, but I also think we need to uh, to round it up. So uh, I just want to say thank you guys for this time and uh, talk to you next time. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. so much for listening to this episode of the Codeflitters podcast. If you like this episode, please share it with your friends or add a review in your favorite podcast player. You can also find us on Twitter at Codeflitters or on our website, codesplitterspodcast.com. Until next time, take care.